Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Charity Rios. Charity is on the show today sharing about how to tend to our hearts and the hearts of the people in our lives. She is the author of My Heart's Garden, a children's book to help kids discover their true identity in Christ, overcome anxiety, fear, and insecurity by replacing lies with the truth. We pray after joining us, your heart's garden is full of fertile soil, ready to allow God's seeds to flourish and yield a fruitful harvest for Him. Hello, Charity. Welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so happy. Hi, to Rachel. Here. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here today. So, believe it or not, I've never had a children's book author on the show. <gasps> oh, fun. So, I'm extra excited to have you um, for lots of reasons. But you are actually the author of My Heart's Garden, which is a children's book to help kids discover their true identity in Christ, overcome anxiety, fear, and insecurity by replacing lies with the truth. But before we get into your book, I'd love to find out more about you. You actually have a master's degree in higher education and taught at several colleges and universities. So as we begin, I'd love to just hear what was this experience like and how did these relationships with students shape you? Yeah, I got to work at a couple of different universities before I became a mom and Really, I feel like it was great preparation for becoming a mom because um, college students are in a really tender and exciting time of their life where, you know, usually they're away from home for the first time. They have, you know, independence they've never had before. And they really start, you know, wrestling with a lot of big questions about who am I? You know, what do I believe? Who is God? What do I believe about God? What is my purpose and destiny of my life? And so I've always had a passion for working with children and then also young adults in that college age, because it's just such a pivotal time of their life where you get to really speak truth in them and also just really come alongside them as like a guide and a shepherd. And so I loved, I worked with a lot of Um, freshmen, um, women in college in the different um, positions I had at the universities. And it was really just a joy. I felt like that I got to be a big sister and a mentor and sometimes a mom a little bit, you know, (laughs) and um, really just help connect them to Jesus. Like that's, I think the biggest thing that I learned is that Jesus really is the answer to every problem that we have in the world. Um, And that's not just like a cheesy Sunday school thing to say. It really is true. But when you're working with young adults, and even now that I found as I have my own children, you really have an opportunity to help um, people develop their own relationship with Jesus. You know, like you don't, you can't just like stand there with a college student and be like, you need to believe this. You need to believe this. You know, like you should feel this way. You can't just you know, basically beat them over the head with, you know, your Bible, even though, you know, it's true, you have an opportunity to really be a safe place for them so that they can um, share how they're feeling and you can help them really connect with the Lord in, in a real personal way for them. And that is where the most life transforming, the most exciting conversations I got to have with students when for some of them, for the first time, they got to have a conversation with Jesus for themselves. Like, they learned how to hear God's voice for themselves. And those were really um, 
amazing conversations to get to be a part of, to just like really lead someone to Jesus and for students to learn like, wow, I can hear God's voice and um, the wisdom and the life and the freedom that he has for me is like transforming my entire world. Wow. What a rewarding job. And I'm like thinking like, gosh, I wish I would have had somebody like you when I was that age, you know, the difference that Mm -hmm. it would make. uh, It's so, so special. And in fact, you actually, you've actually been a children's pastor and a church planter as well. So I'd love for you to tell us your heart for the church and, and just for children in general. Yeah. So I had the privilege of being a part of a team that helped to establish a new church in the city I'm living in. And it was a wild ride. As you know, we are not perfect people. The church is filled with imperfect people, but God has decided to use the church and his bride to fulfill his mission on the earth. And that's an awesome privilege, but of course it also comes with challenges. And so there were challenges, but it was also really beautiful. There was this just core group of people that came together really in the early days about 70 people and just said, we're all in. We want to go after um, living like what the first church was like in the books book of Acts. And so in Acts 2, the first church is described and it says there was not a need among them, not a need among them, which is crazy. And also they were constantly gathering together. They broke bread together and that they were continually being added to their number. And it wasn't just like, oh, people are coming to hang out because we have a good dinner going on. It was like people were accepting Jesus. They were getting baptized. They were getting healed. They were getting delivered from demons. And these crazy radical miracles were happening. And that's what drew people in. And that's what really people were like, I want this Jesus because they were seeing this incredible community take care of each other. And they were also seeing signs and wonders. And so really our church just said, like, what if we went after these things? What if we were a body that actually tried to be like the Acts 2 church community? And so I personally saw that happen for me. Our church rallied together and paid off my student debt, which was $43,000, which is crazy. People met my financial need. Um, And then I have seen people be healed um, at our church. Just, I mean, countless testimonies of physical things. I've seen people hearts healed from deep grief and losses and traumas they have gone through. And really, I have seen people just come together and be the church for each other. And of course, that has been imperfect and messy along the way, but I've seen a body of people really come together and go for it. And that has been really sweet. It's really awesome. It just makes me think just like the universal church in general. And um, my brother-in-law is a pastor of a church and he says all the time, he says, we are an imperfect church, but we serve a perfect God. And I just love that. And actually uh, you were mentioning in Acts and I had just read that recently and it struck me so profoundly that, that there was no need that people responded so well to the needs of each other and gave so much that there was no need. And I thought, is that, could that be possible again today. And I think, gosh, that would be so beautiful and so powerful. And then also I'm just thinking about, um, you know, for me personally, so often I get trapped in this mindset of, you know, what, what am I going to get out of church if I attend? But just what I'm hearing you say is like, what, what can I give? What can I give to other people? And so, you know, that's, that's the heart behind this love offering podcast in general. Mm -hmm. And so I love that I'm hearing 
you say that and, and something else that you often say, and in fact, it's on your website, you say this, you say connecting, you, this is your hope, I guess, is to connect yeah. your hope deeper with Jesus so you can flourish and fulfill your God-given destiny. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about some simple practices that you have found to connect your head and your heart to Jesus. Yes, I love sharing about that. I'm going to share about something called tending your heart, which is actually just a really simple but powerful spiritual discipline and practice you can practice every day or once a week. I think at least once a week is a good amount of time to to try to integrate this into your time with Jesus, your devotional life. And tending your heart is really um, why I wrote the book, My Heart's Garden, to help teach kids this spiritual practice. But it absolutely transformed my life when I was walking through a season of, I lost my father to suicide 11 years ago. And I walked through a couple of miscarriages right after we got married. And in these really difficult seasons, and then also just in other seasons of my life where there was a transition and a change, or there was just some kind of a disappointment or an obstacle, um, I had learned how to tend my heart. And really what that means is I just looked at my life and looked at my week or my month or my season or the hard thing that had gone on that I had walked through. And I thought, okay, where are areas in my heart right now where I am anxious? Where am I feeling fear? Where am I feeling anger, insecurity? Some of these periphery emotions that we experience, those are really just warning signals, flags that our heart is waving and it's saying, help, help me, I need help here. There is a weed in the garden of my heart that needs to be pulled. And so what tending your heart does is first of all, you identify that periphery emotion. I'm feeling anxiety, fear, insecurity, lust, anger, one of those things. Okay. And then you, you can just simply write it down to say, okay, I'm experiencing this. And then we get to go to our perfect father, God, who knows us perfectly, who knows everything that's gone on in our life and understands us even better than we understand ourselves. And we get to say, Lord, like, why am I feeling this anxiety right now? What is going on? And so often we get to have access to the Holy Spirit, the perfect counselor, and he will tell us what is going on, you know, like almost immediately, or you might already know what's going on. You might be like, well, I went through this grief or it's been really stressful at work. And so whatever that is, you can write that down. Like whether it's like, Hey, I'm really stressed right now because my child is not obeying at school. They're not doing well at school. And so if you write that down and then just say, okay, Holy Spirit, like, are there any lies that I'm believing because my child isn't doing well at school right now? And I'm giving you this example because I actually recently just had this conversation (laughs) with the Holy Spirit. So it's fresh (laughs) on my mind right now. Um, So Holy Spirit, my child's not doing well at school. I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling anxious. Like, are there any lies that I am believing because of this um, situation where I feel out of control? And, you know, the Holy Spirit, when I asked him that question about my son that was having a hard time at school, he said, yeah, you are believing a lie. You're believing that you have to solve the problem. You're believing that you're in control, but you're not actually like you actually don't have to solve this problem. Like I am with you. I have wisdom for you. I'm going to connect you with people that are even, you know, that are also wise and can give you good counsel. And also at the end of the day, you can surrender your child and their destiny to me because I love them more than you love them. And so that was like the truth that I received for that lie. And so I repented. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry for wanting to have control. I'm sorry for walking in fear and anxiety and believing the lie that I have to have this all figured out when you're saying that you love my child more than I do and you can take care of them and you can help me right now and give me wisdom that I need. And so I repent for believing those lies and I'm gonna receive the truth that you love my child even more than I do, that your plans and purposes for them are good and that you as the Holy Spirit have everything that I need. You have wisdom, you have help for me and you are gonna help us in this situation. And so that's a process that I've gone through in my heart. I try to do it, like I said, at least once a week um, to just make sure that really the garden of my heart is tended, that those weeds of lies are gone and that I can receive like the truth of God's word and God's voice in exchange. And a lot of times when I do that, I also try to find a scripture that goes along with the truth that I feel like that God is saying, because there will be times when you've received God's truth and you're like, okay, yes, I'm filled up with truth. The lies are gone. But then we get into another situation. You know, I get another little note from my my um, son's teacher that says he had a hard day today. And so I'm tempted to go back to that lie and believe, oh no, I have to solve this problem. I have to be in control. Like we can't have this happen. And so when we are able to stand on the word of God and say like, no, a scripture the Lord has given me is Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for your son, you know, plans to prosper him and not to harm him, plans to give him a hope in the future. That's what you're saying is true, Lord, in this situation. Now I can move forward and solve this problem without anxiety and fear and panic. Yeah. Yeah. It just takes that introspection. And, and, you know, listeners may not be aware yet that you actually have four boys. And so you're, you're a, you're a busy mama and, you know, but it's so important to find, you know, just those little pockets of time to get with the Lord and let him plant those good seeds of truth and and to water those seeds. And Mm -hmm. something else that you, you actually posted about this on your Instagram and it really resonated with me. And it was about looking for glimpses of, of seeds that God has uniquely planted in our children. So how do we learn to love our children for who they are and not who we think they should be? This That's is a, a struggle. Yeah. Question. Yes. I've been on a journey and I posted about that because it's been a pain point in my own life where um, one of my children in particular has been having a hard time. And, and honestly, he's just, he's a strong-willed child. And so that has been challenging for me because some of the ways that we've disciplined and trained our other children haven't worked so well for him. And so that's led me to feel insecure. It's led me to feel some anxiety and fear about being his mom. And also has led me to feel frustrated with him at certain points, because I'm sure we can all identify with this as parents. We just want the kid to listen and obey. You know, we're like, if you would just listen and obey, everything would be wonderful. But he doesn't do that a lot of times. And so in that place of frustration that it's created in me, I really have to go to the Lord and be like, Lord, honestly, like this kid is driving me crazy. I love them so much, but I don't know what to do. And I'm feeling frustrated with them. Like, what do I do in this place of frustration with them? Because I don't want to feel frustrated with my child. I want to feel unconditional love for them. I want to believe in them and who you've created them to be. And I just remember the Lord just really speaking to me at this one point when I felt really at the end of my rope. And um, I just felt like he said, like, Charity, I've made this child with this specific personality. I have made him strong to have a strong will and spirit so that one day he will stand up 
in, in the face of injustice. He will stand up in the face of persecution and, and those that say like, you know, you should deny the name of Jesus. And he'll say, no way, you know, like, and he will say, hey, you need to stop this injustice. And I don't know what areas it is that God is going to call him into, but I specifically felt like the Lord was like, I've called him to speak up for the oppressed and those that are facing injustice. And he needs that will of iron inside of him. Like, yes, as a parent, we're molding and shaping that and, and directing him to Jesus and disciplining him and training him so that he will, you know, do the right thing in the future. But that's really why God has made him that way. And it just gave me so much more vision for his life and just patience for him. So when it's like, okay, like you do have a really strong personality, but God is going to use this for your glory. This is a part of the destiny that he's given to your life. And so I don't have to be afraid or feel like I have to control this part of you. And so that's really just what I meant by looking for those seeds. When we just ask God and we say, God, how have you made my child? What is it that you have for them in the future? Just give me a glimpse of what you have for them in, in their future, because that daily stuff of changing the diapers and, and doing the homework and all of those things, it can just feel like such a grind. Like, what am I even doing here? But when we get that glimpse of what God is preparing in them for the future, it can really transform our heart towards our kids. Yeah. And, and help us to persevere and just kind of give us hope knowing that that end goal is um, inside yeah. a little bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, so let's dig deeper into your children's book, because I think it is such a good resource and something that we as mothers want to instill in our children. And I think that this is such a fun way to do that. So let's start with the identity in Christ. And, you know, I think even us, if we're being honest, even as women at our age, we still struggle with this. So how do you think that we start to give our kids a firm foundation? early. Yeah. I love to have my kids have a conversation with God and to help them have that conversation with God about who he has made them to be. And so even just the other day, I had my two oldest boys who are six and four. So still really young. Um, I had them take out their little journals, notebooks, and we just sat at the kitchen table and the two little ones were napping. I just said, Hey guys, I want you to ask God this question. Just repeat after me, God, who have you made me to be? And they just repeated that question, such a simple question. And I said, okay, like write down and draw or draw what you hear God saying. And of course my six-year-old can kind of write and my four-year-old just, you know, he like scribbles. And uh, my four-year-old, I said, okay, what did God say to you? And he said, God told me he made me fast. And I love that so much because honestly, I wouldn't have thought to tell him that as his mom, but I could just tell when he said the word, God made me fast, that he just sat up straighter, that he was glowing, that it was an encouragement that he needed to hear in that moment. And he's just started playing soccer. He's on the same team as his older brother. And I think sometimes he can feel a little insecure about that. You know, older brother's a little bit better because he's older, you know, he's had more experience. And I just feel like God wanted him to know, I've made you fast. I've, I've made you for this. And he just beamed. And then my older son, he just said, heart. God gave me a heart. And I felt like he just meant God gave him a heart like his. We had just been talking about the story of David and how David was a man after his own heart. And so I said, yes, buddy, yes, God has given you a heart like his. You do have a heart for God. And so he just, you know, he asked me how to spell that word and he just wrote it down. And it was just, it was precious and powerful. And then 
I ask the Lord the same questions. When I have my kids ask God questions, I always just ask them to the Lord myself. So then I could speak words of identity over them too. And, you know, honestly, the whole thing took about five minutes. And that's just one thing I would encourage parents with is that it can feel really overwhelming. Like, how do I connect my kids with God? How do I help them know their true identity? It's just in these little moments throughout our daily life where we just like sit down for five minutes, could be a part of your bedtime routine. It could be a part of your morning. Right now I've got two really little ones. So it just works better if they're sleeping <laughs> to try to have five minutes of intentional connection with them where I'm trying to connect them deeper with the Lord. And so that's what we did. And it was a powerful part of our day. Uh, I love the intentionality and just the questions that can start with a question. Let's just have a conversation. And the fact that the Lord spoke to them, something that you didn't even think to ask them, I think really um, just impacts me personally. And so I'm going to ask my children the same thing, even though they're 12 and 10. Uh, And then even myself, I think that it's still valuable, you know, what he can speak to us. Um, Something that you also approach in your book is the topic of prayer. So tell us about how you found practical ways to model prayer for your boys. Absolutely. Well, yeah, in the story, the story centers around a little boy named Zion and he is bullied at school. And so because of those bullying that he experiences, he starts to believe lies about himself. And so what happens is he goes to his grandma who's working in the garden and he says, grandma, I feel horrible. I can't, you know, get rid of these thoughts in my head that he's, you know, that I'm ugly, dumb, and a klutz are the lies that he's believing. And she says, well, I want to introduce you to Father Gardner. And so Father Gardner in the story represents our perfect Father God. And so she introduces him to Father Gardner and shares the analogy with him that his heart is like a garden. And that right now, those lies he's believing that he's ugly, dumb, and a klutz are like the weeds in a garden. And they're going to choke the seeds of identity that are inside of him that the Father Gardner has placed inside of him. So she says, we got to get rid of those weeds of lies and replace it with the the seeds of truth. And so she literally leads him into a conversation with the father gardener. And of course it's a children's book. So it's like magical. He goes into this other world where he talks to father gardener and um, father gardener speaks truth over him and also hands him a letter that he wrote him, which represents the Bible, God's word to us. And what I chose to illustrate his conversation with father gardener like that is because I really want our kids to know that prayer is a powerful and really magical, wonderful experience that we have, that we have access to in our heart at any time. And so it doesn't, you know, you don't have to be just at church. It doesn't have to just be at a mealtime. Like you can access the father any time. And so that's what he does just in his own heart. And so the way that I've done that with my kids is we try to pray just throughout our day. Whenever we have a problem, whenever we have a need, if we hear a siren, I'm like, hey guys, someone's in trouble right now. Let's pray for that person. Let's pray for God to help them and send his angels to surround them and help the first responders that are responding. You know, like just today at the park, um, my son's friend fell and got hurt and he just like went over and was praying for him. And that's something that I've taught them. Like, hey, if someone is hurt, like, let's pray for them. And not in just like a cheesy way. Like, I'm like, really, like God can heal this person. Like, let's pray and believe for it right now. And even when COVID hit, 
um, we just, we made a list of people that we knew that were first responders, medical workers, really on the front lines. And um, every day we would pray for a certain person that was on the front lines of COVID. And so even just as world events are happening, I want to bring my kids into that, obviously in an age appropriate way. Um, you know, it wasn't in a traumatic way, but I just said, Hey, there's a lot of people that are sick right now. Let's pray for the doctors that we know that they have wisdom. Um, you know, let's pray for the nurses that are there taking care of them because they're working really long hours. And my kids, man, I'll tell you what, you want to get prayer, have my kids pray for you. They have so much faith. And that's something that I've realized as a mom is that I can feel like, oh no, like what if my kids can't connect with God or they can't hear from him or they don't have faith. And really those are my own insecurities as an adult. It's not my kids. Like my kids have so much faith. They pray with authority, like better authority than me, you know? And so it's just a matter of bringing them into our everyday life and what's happening. Sometimes I'll just be like, Hey guys, I want you to know that mommy's having a hard day and Holy spirit, give mommy patience. Why don't y'all just pray for mommy right now? You know, like I need patience. Mommy needs help right now. And um, that's just a way I've tried to model for them. Like I, I need this too. I'm doing this too in my everyday life. We're all going to do it together as a family in our everyday life. Uh, some, I had a friend that just sent me a song and I believe it's by Elevation Work, Worship and it's it's actually called Talking to God and it's like walking through it's a it's a dad but he's saying you know like somebody taught him to talk to God and then he started talking to God and then he's like in on his knees and his son sees him talking to God and just like just this role that we have of modeling the gospel and our love for Jesus and our relationship with him to our children and just how important it is. And it really challenged me just like, what am I modeling for my children? And, and the hearing you, you know, explain what you're doing and how you're living it out um, is so beautiful and so inspiring. And, and I think another element to this is reading scripture. I mean, you're talking about that letter from father Gardner, the Bible. So how have you found, you know, learning and reading and memorizing scripture? Have you made this a part of your routine for, for your family as well? Yeah. Well, in the story, um, Father Gardner hands Zion a letter and it's from him. It represents the word of God. And he says, read this letter and you'll know me better. And so that's something that I'm really trying to train my kids in. And it's simple. It starts even with my two-year-old learning the word of God. And so it doesn't mean we're reading chapters every day. It's really just taking a small verse. I usually pick a verse um, that has to do with something that my kids need help with. <laughs> so recently we learned a verse about complaining and arguing, you know, like getting along with brotherly love. Like these things, it's just these things that character things that my kids need. They need the power of the word of God instructing their hearts. And I'm like, we're going to memorize this verse. And we just come up with silly hand motions. I try to come up with silly hand motions. Usually my kids correct me and say, we should use different hand motions that they've come up with. And I'm like, that's great. And we just go over it together every day for a couple of weeks. And by the end of that, even my two-year-old will know a scripture verse. And um, I created a workbook that goes along with the My Heart's Garden picture book. It's just called the My Heart's Garden workbook. And in the back, there are scripture memory cards that you, um, your child can color. There is on every single page of the My Heart's Garden workbook, there's another scripture that you can go over with your kids. And so I think as your kids get older, that's a really powerful way to um, bring in memorization of the word of God is to make it fun and creative, like coloring the scripture verses, putting them up around your house in places where they'll see them, you know, just those, those 
places that it becomes a part of our everyday life. I really think that's what I want my kids to know is that like the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Like it really does change you. And it doesn't mean you have to sit there for an hour every single day and be like, I have to memorize this passage right now. You know, like we can put it up in our car, on our mirror, like by our sink and um, showing our kids that we can do that. I try to do that too, like put up scripture around my house. And so my kids see that and because I need it. <laughs> Honestly, I need scripture around me at all times. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to talk about, you know, children are experiencing so much at an early age. You know, we've yeah. talked about really young children, but I, I mean, let's talk to maybe, I don't know. I mean, even at elementary age, they're just dealing yeah. with so much like anxiety and fear yeah. and shame. So I don't know, how do you think we can help our kids overcome some of these really big emotions? Yeah. And, you know, honestly, like in the world we're living in right now with like COVID and everything we've gone through last year, like our kids' mental health is deteriorating, you know, like just, it is tragic and horrible. And I really feel like that's part of like why God had me release this message into the world. Like, you know, started working on it before I'd ever heard of COVID, you know, but God knew the timing of this. And I think as anyone listening as a parent, as a mentor, as a children's ministry worker, counselor, what any kind of a role of influence you have in the life of your kids, I think that you get to be on the offensive. And that's really good news. And so when you see a child that you're like, they are struggling, you know, and you may know, you, you may know their story because you're their parent, or you may know part of their story because you're their teacher. And so you have the opportunity to make yourself a safe place for them. And to also just go lead them directly to the father and address some of these um, lies that they are experiencing. So I literally just did this with my son the other day. He's six years old. He has his arm in a splint right now because he got a fracture. And this happened right after soccer season started. He missed last season because of COVID, of course. And he was all fired up to be playing soccer. And I was so excited for him because he loves soccer like more than anything in the world. And literally after the first game, he gets his arm in a splint and um, his pediatrician, you know, said like, okay, well, he can go to practice, but y'all need to be careful. And so we go to practice after he has his arm in the splint and his coach is like, hey, he can practice, but we're not going to have him scrimmage. And so he's on the sidelines with me. He's bawling. And I'm already hearing, like, honestly, like the enemy is wanting to come into this place of grief and vulnerability that he's gone through this, like loss that he's gone through. Um, and like, he's, he's feeding him lies. And I, I know it because I'm hearing it come out of his mouth. And he's like, you know, saying like, this is horrible. My team won't win. I'm never going to play again. Like, why is this happening to me? You know, just like that spirit of, of a victim was like, honestly, like trying to like come on him. And I was, we went home and I was just like, okay, no, no, no. You know what? Like I'm your mom. And so I have an opportunity to see when the enemy is like trying to come into these places of vulnerability and pain. And we are not going to let that happen. Not on my watch, you know? And so we sat down with the My Heart's Garden workbook and he didn't want to do it, of course. And I was like, okay, we're going to go through this journal page. And in the workbook, I have 30 days of journal prompts. And it just very simply leads kids through the process of hearing who God has created them to be. So hearing from the father, what their identity is, and then also identifying lies that they might be believing because of 
you know, anything that they've gone through that's hard. For him, it was losing the loss of his arm. You know, for another child, it might be like having to have been home and doing virtual school may have made them depressed, you know, just it just the whole gamut of things that can happen in our life. And so I said, okay, buddy, like, you know, how are you feeling? What, what do you think that you're feeling right now? Because you can't use your arm. And he said, sad, I'm feeling sad. And so I said, yeah, it is sad. I understand that. And so I honored that emotion. You know, I didn't tell him, oh, it's wrong. You know, don't feel sad about it. I was like, yeah, it is sad. I get that. This is sad. I wish this hadn't happened. So I honored that. And he wrote that down in his little journal that he was sad. And I said, okay, buddy, like, we get, you get to make a choice to give your sadness to Jesus and he will give you something better in exchange. And so I said, you know, I think because of this sadness, you're, you're believing some lies. And, um, I told him, you know, I was like, I think you're believing some lies that, um, you know, you're a victim, like that. This is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. That like, this is horrible. Like those are, those are lies that you're believing because actually God has something better to give you. And so, um, as a mom in that moment, just because of his age, I just kind of like called out the lies that I saw he was believing in the workbook. There's a place where kids can really just ask God, like, what lies am I believing? And as your kids get older, it might be easier for them to understand that. In that moment, as his mom, I was just like, okay, this is how it is. These are some lies that you're believing right now. And so he was like, okay, like I'm going to give my sadness to, to Jesus. And at the end of the workbook page, it's really simple. There's a treasure chest. And inside of that treasure chest, you get to write down like what God is giving you in exchange for your, for the lies, for your, whatever it is your child's walking through, whether it's um, sadness, whether it's fear, whether it's anxiety, insecurity, whatever they're walking through, they get to give that to Jesus and receive something in exchange and write it down in that little treasure chest. And so I said, okay, I want you to ask God, God, what do you have for me instead of my sadness? And so he asked God, and um he wrote down joy and it was so sweet because he's just learning to write and so like the the j was backwards on it you know but like there it was in his treasure chest like god gave him joy and he heard that directly from the father himself i did not feed that to him he heard that and i literally felt uh, like not just felt but i saw his entire countenance change like he sat up straighter his face was glowing and he just kind of ran off to play and do the rest of his day. And, um, really then I feel like as we've like encountered other situations where it's like, Hey, you can't do that. You know, like, or, you know, because of your arm, like I've been able to remind him, like when he's felt sad about it, remember God gave you joy instead of your sadness. And he's like, yeah, you're right. And he's just had like a much better attitude, honestly, ever since like we had that moment together where I, I led him to Jesus, you know? And so anyway, that's why I developed the workbook. That's why I wrote the book is because I want parents to have the tools and resources that they need to help lead their children to Jesus. Because I know that if from a very young age, our kids learn to give everything to God, to not, not just like, you know, not just ignore it. We don't want to ignore pain or things that are hard or disappointment or tragedy or grief, whatever your child's walking through, we don't want to ignore it and gloss over it. We want to address it. And not only do we want to get rid of it, but we want to go to the father and ask him what he has in exchange for us. And your child can do that. I mean, my six-year-old did it and he was transformed and he was healed. And so now I believe for him and every child that learns how to go through this tending your heart process, like when they are adults someday and they go through a tragedy or a hardship, they're not going to be like, 
as likely to start believing lies of the enemy. They'll be like, okay, I know that I'm vulnerable here. I'm vulnerable to the lies of the enemy, but I know what to do. I know how to tend my heart. I know how to get rid of the lies and receive the truth that God has for me. Yeah. Oh, so valuable to, to do that at such an early age and how yeah. we can use that in our day-to-day lives, even, even as adults. That is so, Absolutely. so good. Yeah. Well, so based on today's conversation, how do you think we can best be love offerings as mothers? I would say if you will lead your child to Jesus in every single place of their life, whether it's there's a need that y'all see as a family whether it's in our world, um, whether it's your neighbor that has a need in your own family, whether it is something difficult that your child is going through, if you will just know in your heart that like the best place that you can lead them to is to our perfect father God, I think that is the most loving thing that you can do because we are all made for a life um, transformation, no encounter with the son of the living God. Like we're all created for it. We long for it. Like whether we realize it or not, that's what we are all made for. And so when we lead our children, if you're listening and you are a teacher, you are a mentor, you are, you know, you're a mom that sees other kids at the park, you know, like whatever role you have with children in your life or anyone in your life that you're walking alongside, I just encourage you that it's, in the father. He has everything that they need. He died on the cross for their sins and he rose again, conquering sin and death forever so that we could be free. But so many of us are walking around in bondage in our minds. And that honestly includes our children. And it just breaks my heart that there are so many children that are walking in bondage in their mind, like children that would commit suicide because they believe so many lies. They believe that their life isn't worthwhile. And so I just really believe that if you will lead children, adults, whoever, yourself, (laughs) if you're struggling, that's okay. I'm there. I've been there um, to the father. That is the most loving thing that you can do. And he is longing to meet each one of us and he can uniquely meet every person in the way that they need to be met and he can free every person and he has the power over everything, you know, which is crazy. He literally has power over death. And so you don't have to worry like, is this going to go well? Is there going to be enough? Like, am I wise enough, smart enough? No, no, you don't have to worry about it. Lead them to the father. Like he has everything that they need. Oh, it's such important work. And I can just see and feel the passion you have for this. And so I know I want to stay in contact with you and I know listeners are going to want to do that as well. And so how can we best do that? Yeah, you can find me at charityrios.com or on Instagram. That's really the social media place I hang out um, at clarity with charity there. And then if you're interested in getting the book, My Heart's Garden and the My Heart's Garden workbook is available on Amazon, or you can also go to barnesandnoble.com and you can find the book there. Um, The workbook is not on barnesandnoble.com. So just the book. But if you want the book and the workbook, it's both on Amazon. Okay. Well, I'll include those links in the show notes, but Charity, thank you so much. This has been such an honor and um, an encouragement to me and equipping as well. I feel as a mother better equipped and I pray that each listener does too, just to help our children to know their identity in Christ and to tend to their own heart's garden. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Charity Rios. We hope that today helped you to tend to your own heart so that you can then tend to the hearts of the other people in your life. 
this week our love offering is from charity she says that the best way to be love offerings is to lead others to jesus he has everything that we need if you're interested in show notes you can head on over to at rachel adams author on instagram facebook or twitter i would love to connect with you there I'd also love to connect with you over on the Love Offering Facebook community. There each week we just dive in deeper into each podcast episode, into each blog series, and we encourage one another to live faithfully and love fully. If you have not yet subscribed, rated, and reviewed the Love Offering podcast, I'd so appreciate if you would take the time to do that on your favorite listening platform so other women can find this Love Offering message. All of this information can be found at rachelkadams.com. There you can subscribe to receive your weekly Love Offering newsletter and download some free resources, including the, the Word of the Year quiz. I know we're coming up on the new year, and that might be a helpful resource for you. Next week, my guest is The Ruth Experience. They are on the show talking about one good word a day. It's a 365-day devotional to walk us through a word a day through the next year. I hope you will tune in again then. But until then, I hope you have a terrific week. And as always, remember to lead with love.